3: What's up guys back for another episode of our AFC West opponent preview uh, series uh, this time we got the LA Chargers uh, coming up the bat the Bears meet them on Sunday night football uh, this year and uh, we're gonna have the locked on Chargers uh, guy in here to to, to talk about the, the Chargers uh, with us the, the 2022 season. And and as you've noticed, the theme of the three shows that we've done so far, this being the third, every one of it was, you know, the season that could have been, and then what actually happened uh, in twenty twenty two, and it's like basically everybody had that season except for uh, the Chiefs, who went fourteen and three, ran the table, and won the Super Bowl. But the AFC West was basically all supposed to be like that. They weren't all supposed to be fourteen and three, but with with Derek Carr in Vegas. Justin Herbert here in, in Los Angeles and obviously with Russell Wilson in, in Denver, you know, and the offensive firepower that each of those teams had with Mike Williams and, and company uh, Austin Eckler in with, with Los Angeles. And then you had, you know, Devonte Adams being added to Josh Jacobs and company in, in Vegas to go along with th- those young receivers uh, that um, Russell Wilson got paired up with uh, in Denver you know, it was basically going to be like they're just going to be out there breaking scoreboards in uh, in the AFC West, and that turned out especially not to be the case in Denver. They were awful on offense last year. And the Chargers did have the best season of the three. Ten and seven made the playoffs, but they actually, if you hear me and uh, David, uh, the the host of, of Locked on Chargers, talk about it, that so much more could have happened uh, injuries and everything kind of decimated the team and they still won ten games uh last year. So I mean just a uh a crazy up and down season. They hand held on to Brandon Staley as head coach. We asked him about that uh and how he feels about it and, and how he feels about the uh the Chargers. Are they as optimistic as they were going into twenty twenty two? Uh are they feeling the crunch because you know Justin Herbert's going to have to get paid here pretty soon and he is playing like a 40 to 50 million dollar a year uh quarterback so you're going to have to empty the coffers to to pay this kid and that means you're not going to be able to keep everybody else around you're going to become that team that has to build through the draft because that's how you can afford to put a good team on the field and pay your quarterback at the same time so we cover a lot uh with Dave and uh we you know we cover uh everything from 2022 all the way through the schedule uh, and everything else in between uh, for the Chargers. A Very, very interesting team. I'm really excited to see how they're going to turn out uh, this year. So what do you say we dive right in? This is the AFC West preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground for the LA Chargers. So let's get to it. Hang up the
2: telephone. I hear the dial.
3: Our third team in our trip through our AFC West preview for 2023 takes us to Los Angeles to preview the L.A. Chargers, a very interesting team uh, going into this season, and here here to help us preview uh, these 2023 L.A. Chargers from Locked on Chargers, it's David Drogomar. David, welcome to the show, man. Thank you so much for having me. I really
2: appreciate it. You are absolutely right. A very exciting football team that kind of ended last season in some very very difficult situations obviously and you don't ever want to go out that way yeah but um you know things are looking up we're trying to put that in the rear view mirror and uh, focus on the 2023 season
3: yeah i mean had a had a very tumultuous 2022 and, and and honestly with all the injuries that the team suffered i was surprised they did as well as they did 10 and 7 did make the playoffs like the The promise that they had in 2021, they were actually able to do something about it and get into the postseason. And then obviously the the nightmare second half in Jacksonville uh, that cut the season short.
2: Yeah, yeah, that was definitely unfortunate. But yeah, you you look at you know, what the Chargers were able to withstand with the amount of injuries and not even just the amount of injuries, but injuries to significant members of the team. Yeah. You know, your quarterback, fractured rib cartilage, he's dealing with that all year. Your all-pro left tackle, he get t- tears his bicep, he's out for the entire year. You know, your all-pro center, Corey Lindsley, in and out of the lineup. Keenan Allen misses nine games. Uh, Mike Williams dealing with injuries and you know then and then of course on the other side of the football Joey they don't Bosa. have any Joy Bosa. Yeah. You know, he goes down early on and you know the vision before the season was hey, I'm gonna get Joy Bosa on one side and Cleo Mack on the other. I mean you guys know Cleo Mack, right? Obviously, yeah. So yeah, we, w- we wanted to see that vision kind of unfold before our eyes, and so they were not able to do that. So they had to try to to make it happen, and they tried to have, have to plug holes with guys that had to step up. And, uh, un- you know, fortunately for them, they were able to weather the storm and, and get their team in position to where they were a- able to clinch a playoff spot uh, before the end of the season. But, yeah, obviously uh, it did not work out the way that the Chargers wanted it to.
3: Yeah, so real quick, before we get too into the weeds uh, with the team, like when we have a guest on for the very first time, we like to ask them the same uh, three questions. It's like, number one, it's like, where are you from? Number two, where are you now? And then number three, your favorite moment as a fan of your beloved L.A. Chargers.
2: Yeah, so, I mean, where I'm from, I am from San Diego, California. So I was born and raised in San Diego. I grew up a Charger fan, and um, right now I am in Temple, Texas, um, <laughs> I am a United States Army veteran. So oh, nice. I got stationed out here at Fort Hood in 2012. And then I shortly met my wife uh, shortly after moving out here. She's from Texas. I got trapped. So there you that's go. why I'm still here. <laughs> but um, yeah, as far as like why my favorite moment as a fan, I think it's probably just going to be the 2006 season where sure. LT won the MVP award, where he just absolutely went crazy and he was the most dominant football player in the entire NFL that season. yeah, And uh, it was very exciting to watch that. And, and it was just a, you know, a very, very good football team It was a 14 and two team mm-hmm. that just ran through everybody. And, uh, you know, you got to bear witness to one of the most special performances uh, of all time. So I think that's probably my favorite memory, but you know, hey, I am a diehard man. I've been Following this team ever since I knew what football was as a child, and you know I've been covering them, you know, fortunately professionally for the last seven years. So nice. um, it's, it's been a fun ride.
3: Real quick, that divisional game against the Patriots, what went wrong there? Because the only thing that I can remember about that game was I think like the Chargers got a, a like an interception or a fumble, only to have the ball taken back by the Patriots, and it was basically like a no harm no foul turnover. For the Patriots, they got the ball immediately back, and that kind of spelled how that day went for you guys.
2: Well, first of all, they should have never tried to advance the football. I mean, right? That that was the big problem there. I mean, you get the you get the interception, and you know, you go just go down, just go down. <laughs> Stop moving. Stop trying to you know. And I understand, like you're a football player, you're trying to make a play, but like you got to understand the situation in the game. The situational awareness right there was lacking. And that's that's what happened. I mean, obviously, they were able to get the football back, and that basically ruined it for the Chargers that year. And, I mean, they, they had so much talent. It seemed like they, it was a foregone conclusion that they were going to get to the Super Bowl that year. But, I mean, that, that's that's what separates the good teams from the great teams, man, is that attention to detail, um, especially that situ- aware, situational awareness in the biggest moments.
3: Yeah, it was kind of like the – I don't know. I don't want to think it was a, a curse, but it was a hell of a run of bad luck with Schottenheimer – with how good those teams were in San Diego, only to to discover different ways to kind of you know, for lack of a better term, blow it in the in the the playoffs. Whether it was playing Marty Ball and being super conservative when you had you know <laughs> this explosive offense, or you know the, the the bad run of luck with kickers not being able to come through at the end, and you know and that uh, that divisional game against the against the Patriots. You guys were the one seed. It was supposed to be San Diego and Chicago in the Super Bowl uh, that year, and the Patriots, you know, came in and ruined that.
2: Yeah, I know, man. I mean, that that would have been a hell of a matchup, too, because, I mean, I believe that year the Bears had an extremely dominant defense. Yeah and uh you know the Chargers had one of the more high powered offenses in, in NFL history that year so that would have been in a in just an epic clash but yeah, unfortunately sure. it was not meant to be
3: yeah LT versus Erlacher uh, would yeah. have been that's all we would have been hearing about for 2 weeks cuz oh no doubt yeah um all right so going into 2022 the AFC West looks like for sure the wild west because yeah. after the acquisition of Russell Wilson Now it's just loaded with top tier quarterbacks. You got Wilson in Denver. You have Carr in 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 Vegas. Vegas. You you have Mahomes in in Kansas City, and then of course the youngest of the bunch. You got Herbert uh, there in in LA. Just everybody just balling out. It's like, you know, who the hell is going to be left standing in the AFC West when these guys get done killing each other? And and what kind of chances will they have in the playoffs? And Unfortunately, it didn't work out that way. Russell Wilson, or actually more specifically, Nathaniel Hackett, was a disaster uh, in Denver. The Raiders continued to raider their way yeah. through a season uh you guys just dealt with a plethora of injuries i mean you named what like six or seven significant players mm-hmm. uh, a moment ago like every yeah. one of them would have been extremely helpful and you somehow managed to go 10 and 7 anyway and then the only team that did what what people were expecting them to do was Kansas City 14 and 3 made a run for the super bowl and uh and all the rest of it so yeah. you know 2022 you know you got off with the the win against the raiders that crazy Thursday, I thought you guys had that game. I picked you guys to win, to go in. It was like something about the Chargers, man. I just got a gut feeling. You got all the way down to that drive there at the end, and then Herbert gutting his way through, no pun intended, yeah. on that drive, throws that pick. It's a pick six, and it was over from there. And then you respond well, a week later with that very uncharacteristic thrashing by the Jaguars, 38-10 to 10, in the home stadium, but – it got fixed after that. Three wins uh, in a row, including an overnight win over, over time win, I should say, over the Broncos. Uh, you go into the bye. You're you're three and three, and then after the bye, seemingly, a seemingly slow start. You with the win over Atlanta. Yeah. Number one, can we talk about that game real quick? Because <laughs> I I was doing an NFL show last year as well, yeah. and that game broke my brain. <laughs> because of that, and I'm sure you know which sequence I'm talking about is the, the 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 fumble recovery, uh-huh. from Austin Eckler, yeah. the defender picks it up, runs it all the way back, you know to a, to the other side, you know makes it past the 50 yard line, the ball gets ripped out of his hands. You guys it, it, recovered. It, it
2: didn't though. That's the funniest thing in what the world He though. dropped it. it, it did, he, he just, just dropped, dropped the ball. Yeah, that's it. Like, that was it. That
3: was it. He just <laughs> dropped it. Like at,
2: at that point in time when when that play happened I was like, oh well. I mean, this is the Chargers finding another spectacular way to lose. Yes. But on that day Karma was shining down on the bolts because that defender and hey, you know, you got you got to give them some, some cut them some slack because they're they're defensive linemen. They're not paid to handle the football. Right. So you, you get the, the big ugly is running down the football field. And then I think, honestly, uh, Justin Herbert will act like he was going to strip him. And he just dropped the ball. And then, you know, a Chargers offensive lineman picked it up. And then they were able to uh, hold on to the football and kick the game winner. And And here's uh, the part. The game they absolutely had no business to win.
3: But yeah, here's the part that that broke my brain was that I saw that game via the uh, 10 or 12 minute recap on YouTube. Sure. And the way that it was edited was that play happened. The entire sequence start to finish. Eckler runs the ball, he fumbles it, it gets picked up, the lineman runs it the other way, he fumbles the ball, San Diego recovers it, and then it was San Diego just had the ball. No explanation, yeah. no context, no replays, no nothing, just San Diego had the ball where they picked it up. I was like, wait a minute, that, was lo- that happened? Like I thought that, you know, at, and I'm sure that they did this during the actual gameplay, but when they, when they did review it and everything, because Austin Eckler looked like he was down. And when he went down and it's like the referees just let it play out and we'll figure it out after the, after the, the play and everything. Well, and that's was,
2: what they're told to do. Like, they're, yeah. they're told to, to, if there's any kind of play that looks like it's going to be a fumble, that they, they let it play <laughs> out, and then they allow replay to fix it.
3: Yeah, but in those in those videos, you often see, like, things that need context. Like, oh, if you oh, see right here, so-and-so's knee is down, or he, you know, doesn't have both feet in, or something like that, and it just went from, Eckler fumbles, oh, so-and-so recovers, He, oh, he fumbles the ball, it's recovered, <laughs> and then first and 10, you know, L.A., like, what? That it was. Yeah. Oh my God! You know, it's like I had to go back and watch it a couple of times just to get what what actually happened. You guys eke out the win, uh, twenty to seventeen, on that one because that was late in the game. Like that was crucial. Very late. Yeah, you late know, in the fourth quarter when that happened. And then you have the back to back losses on back to back Sunday night games uh, to San Francisco and Kansas City.
2: Well, in that San Francisco game, we had two practice squad players that were part of your starting wide receiver group, right. <laughs> and they kept that game extremely close right, against exactly. one of you know the most you know dominant nasty defenses in the NFL last year. So, like considering the amount of injuries, they they really fought hard in that one. Yeah,
3: and st- it was still a, only a one score game twenty two yeah. to sixteen. There, then the the Chiefs uh, with thirty to thirty twenty seven get the win. Yeah, another very close game i mean honestly i don't think there's
2: any other team in the nfl that plays the chiefs as close or as hard as the chargers do i mean they're right there every time
3: finally get back on the winning ways with the win over the cardinals Mm -hmm. you slip up against the raiders but then after that four wins uh in a row um, over miami over tennessee the colts and then the rams uh before the uh what I like to call the week seventeen, the week eighteen, mercy loss to the uh, to the Broncos. You probably, you know, your fate was already sealed, so you didn't have to win that game or, or anything like that. And then the Broncos barely won that one, thirty-one to twenty-eight, before you, while you guys were getting ready for the wild card round.
2: The big problem about that game was there was some guys, most importantly, Mike Williams, who was forced to play in that football game, and he hurt his back. Right, and that's He right. had to miss the the wild card game against the Jaguars, and that was a big story. It was just one of those unnecessary situations to where you you put guys out there that just really didn't need to play. Like, you just did not need to put your starters out there. Like you had just said, everything was already predetermined. You had your spot locked up. There was no reason to risk it. I mean Justin Herbert shouldn't have played. I mean yeah I definitely have some some issues with the decision making in that game and, and it on it definitely had an impact on how that Jaguars game ended up uh, you know ended up resulting
3: yeah so shorthanded but somehow still here uh, at ten and seven the Chargers go into uh Jacksonville uh, yeah. have a dominant first half. I mean Trevor uh, Lawrence couldn't stop throwing interceptions.
2: Yeah, it's not that Samuel half. Jr. had yeah. three interceptions on halftime you know, in they that both game. Set he, was, a he was just dominant.
3: Yeah, Samuel with the amount of interceptions and, and Lawrence with the amount that he threw. Yeah. Because uh, he had four or five in the first half. It's like, what the hell is this Yeah, kid I think he doing? had four. Yeah, and then in the second half, complete and total reversals. Like, Jacksonville's moving the ball. They're scoring points. Your lead is getting smaller by the minute. And, you know, right up until the very end, and then Jacksonville goes ahead and, and wins the game and then obviously the the rumbling start yeah is this the end for the head coach is he going to get tossed after blowing a lead like that and you know what do you think it was that made the Chargers keep him honestly I don't think there was any any way that he was going to get fired.
2: I mm-hmm. mean um, I truly believe that just listening to the organization and the general manager and also just knowing the Chargers organization they just don't fire head coaches 2 years into their tenure. It just it doesn't happen. Like it's just it's not a part of their DNA. They give all of their coaches at least four years before they make any kind of significant decisions. They don't, you know, they very rarely fire coaches in season. They wait till the end. They're very calculated in when the way they move as far as their head, head coaches were concerned. So I really did not have any kind of concern that they were going to fire him i think they understand the amount of injuries that they had to overcome and they still made it to the playoffs and you have to you know you have to give him some credit for that so uh, i think that it was kind of a foregone conclusion that they were going to you know have him for another year but that did not mean that there weren't going to be some moves made on the coaching staff and there definitely was
3: okay so let's talk about that what is the new what are the new additions to the staff
2: yeah, so first and foremost, they fired offensive coordinator Joe Lombardi, who uh, I think last year, even given Justin Herbert's injuries and the injuries to some of their skill position players. Uh, it was a very underwhelming season for a talent uh, the the caliber of Justin Herbert I think Mm -hmm. Justin Herbert is a top five quarterback in this league and we did not get to see him you know not even just top five but a guy who has one of the strongest arms in the NFL very accurate very athletic can throw on the run and a lot of those gifts were not accentuated in Joe Lombardi's offense he just felt like there was a different level that the Chargers offense could get to and so that's why they let him go and then They fortunately were able to hire former Cowboys offensive coordinator Kellen Moore Mm -hmm. to replace him, who, you know, his first four years as an offensive coordinator, the Dallas Cowboys offense was basically top five um, while he was there orchestrating that offense. So that was the big key addition. They also fired their quarterback coach, Shane Day, replaced him with a guy who's familiar with Kellen Moore, which is Doug Neusmeyer, um, which I kind of appreciate that fit a little bit more because, uh, with Joe Lombardi and Shane Day, they don't re- they didn't really have any kind of connection together. You know, you know, they were coming from different systems, and I understand you're trying to you know pick and choose different parts of specific systems to get the most and try to get a very diverse offense but sometimes you want to have guys that have continuity because hey I mean if Kellen Moore comes in here and just kills it and the Chargers offense is one of the most high powered in the league there's a good chance that he can get a head coaching job and he'd be gone and then Justin Herbert is going to have to learn another new offense in another year so I I think it's good that they brought in Doug Neusmeyer to kind of be a guy that hey if Kellen Moore does get plucked um, and goes to the next level as a head coach, they, they have somebody that can keep that continuity and slide in seamlessly.
3: This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge.
0: <sighs>
3: is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is...
1: while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more.
3: I think the Ver's, um did the exact same thing with, with Getsey and Jonico. Um, yeah. our quarterback coach and you know obviously Getze our offensive coordinator. It's like, you know, it was a it was a night and day thing with our offense. So it's like Getze yeah. did great things, but also we were the worst passing team in the NFL. So still a little right. work left to do. Sure. Maybe maybe if they if we've made the strides that we think we have and, and Fields is actually going to be a, a better passer this year that we'll have trouble keeping Getze going into year three, but Jeez. you know, Jonica would be able to to jump right in so that there's uh you know it's a smooth transition uh yeah. kind of thing I think the Bears were deliberate in doing something uh like that so um so then we we get to the the off season. we we we've we we're keeping the coach we're going forward I think maybe that was more like fan rumblings or just yeah the sports media kind of playing with the scenario Sure. Uh, kind of thing, thinking like how do you keep it? Mean, anytime you have that? a devastating loss like yeah.
2: that and you're gonna look at the head coach as somebody you might get replaced. It's just part of the business.
3: Yeah, but you you know, you really go back and you and you take a take stock of the year that was and yeah. they were ten and seven. Right. Despite everything that they lost. I mean if they were yeah. ten and seven missing seven or eight key players, what could yeah. they have been had everyone stayed healthy? Which is why I think that this list of free agents is Number one, it's all almost all re-signings, like mm-hmm. bringing people back. Yeah, because your free agent addition was getting everybody healthy. Uh, yeah. for twenty twenty three, and uh, you know, it's like I think aside from maybe Mike Williams, I don't think his injury was significant or anything like that. But aside from Williams, everybody got hurt early. Yeah. last year, so they were pretty much basically healthy going into the off season and would definitely be ready to to go full steam uh, in. Uh, like, maybe even now in OTAs or definitely by training camp. Yeah, well, the Chargers had a vision. Like, they had a lot of cap space
2: last offseason. They spent a lot of that money. They brought in Khalil Mack. They traded for him to give J.C. Jackson a giant contract. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they bring in Sebastian Joseph Day, Austin Johnson, Gerald Everett, the tight end. So they make a lot of moves, but they did not really get to see that core on right. both sides really be able to manifest itself out there on the field. So I think this off season they said, man, we need to run this back and, and really take one more chance to be able to keep this expensive core together with my quarterback that still on a cost controlled rookie contract. So they restructured the contracts of Khalil Mack, Joey Bosa, Mike Williams, and Keenan Allen to be able to kind of push that cap space a little bit down the line, so that they can keep that core for one more year before inevitably they're going to have to pay Justin Herbert an obscene amount of money. Um, that's going to take a good portion of that salary cap away. So the the Chargers very much push push their chips into the center mm-hmm. and said, "Hey, I'm going to you know really try to do everything I can by keeping this core together." to go out there and try to win a championship with this team. Because after this season, they are going to have to cut some players because they are $60 million over the cap over the projected cap for next season. So Obviously, that some of that can be manipulated with the Justin Herbert contract and, the uh, you know, the cap hits and stuff like that. Sure. But it would be hard-pressed to believe that they're going to restructure again. So this is really the last chance, the last kind of hoorah with this, you know, very talented, very old, very expensive core mm-hmm. before they're going to have to change their philosophy, um, you know, by having a quarterback on, on a big contract. They're going to have to change the philosophy to dra- draft and develop instead of sign – and, and go out there and try to grab talent that way. So, I mean, this is going to be it. This is a big year for the truck.
3: Did they do any up upgrades or changes with the with the training staff or was last year kind of an anomaly as far uh, as the now, Yeah, games? they fired all of those guys. <laughs> Did they really? <laughs> yeah.
2: Wow. Yeah, they yeah, they basically um, let go of that entire uh, training staff. Um it was unacceptable. You know, they had guys that were hurting a hamstring like for example, Keenan Allen who had multiple setbacks and, and a hamstring injury that's, you know, on, on a good end, probably four to six weeks mm-hmm. was like nine to 10 weeks for him. And that's just not how that's supposed to work. Right. So that basically the last thing that they said, last thing coach Brandon Staley said is that they are very, get, getting very close on zeroing in on their new medical training staff. But yes, they replaced everybody and they are getting new people in the building just because like, you got to get those guys back faster. I mean, that's part of your job. I mean, everybody's going to get hurt in the NFL. It's a violent game. Sure, but you got to get these guys back on the field and healthy enough to go contribute and stay on the field. I mean, if you get go back on the field too soon, you get hurt, you can't help anybody, and then you get back in that vicious cycle of having to rehab to try to get back on the
3: field. Yeah, just looking at the at the free agents, um, I think Eric Kendricks and Nick Williams were the only. Like or at least the ones that I saw were the yeah. like the only additions, but every everybody else was re-signed. Trey Pipkins, Morgan mm-hmm. Fox, J.K. Scott, Jalen Guyton, you know, Will Clapp and Keion Hall, yeah. all re-signs. You know, bringing these guys back, and you know, and and Kendrickson and, and uh, Williams being the the actual guys they didn't play here. Additions uh, to the to the roster.
2: Yeah, so I mean, I really like uh, the fact that they were able to bring back Morgan Fox. I think he was a phenomenal find last year. A guy who really, when he, whenever he was given some real significant opportunities, was a menace as an interior pass rusher. And you know, he was able to, able to get six sacks um, for the Chargers last year in a rotational basis. So he got rewarded with a new contract. Trey Pipkins was a guy who was battling injuries pretty much all of last season, but tufted it out and played. Some really, really good football. A guy who owned his own development. You know, the Chargers drafted him in the third round and he took a long time before he showed like he was a competent football player. But last year he, you know, really put it all together. And, uh, you know, that, that performance mixed with that toughness, you know, and going out there and cutting it out for your team, that's what got him that, that new contract with the chargers. And as far as the only guy that they really brought in, that was of any significance, um, which is Eric Hendricks. They right. let go, uh, they let, um, Drew Tranquil walk Um, he ends up getting signed by the Kansas City Chiefs Um, and they moved on from him pretty quickly they they brought in Eric Kendricks just a few days into free agency and I mean I like the move I mean this is a guy who has played in a similar defense uh, under Mike Zimmer's scheme, which there's a lot of, of similarities between his scheme and Brandon Saley's scheme. He, he's a leader. He's a former all pro linebacker. So I like that leadership in, in the middle, pairing him with Kenneth Murray, um, you know, a kind of a younger linebacker. Um, just having that command in the middle of the football field, I think it's going to be a nice change um, to make sure everybody gets lined up and, you know, you have somebody that you can really trust in the middle of your defense. Uh, I think it's going to be a good move for the Chargers.
3: Anybody on this free agency lost list like besides Drew Tranquil that uh, is going to be missed because maybe I didn't watch enough Charger games last year. But yeah, number one, the only name that I remember is DeAndre or that I recognize is DeAndre Carter. And that's because he had a cup of coffee with the Bears. Um, But everyone else doesn't seem like a household name that would be missed too much. Am Am I off course with that?
2: No, I think you're right right on brand there. I think DeAndre Carter was the guy that the Chargers brought in to be, you know, their punt punt returner, kick returner. Yeah. Um, And he was uh, forced into action on offense a a lot more than the Chargers intended on using him. But, hey, I mean, when you get desperate and you don't have anybody, I mean, that's just what it takes. So he went out there, really played admirably. He was a much better punt returner than he was a kick returner. But, yeah, I wouldn't say anybody outside of Drew Tranquil was a, a significant loss for the Chargers right
3: so as we move into the draft um, part of the the drama in free agency for the Chargers was uh, Austin Eckler basically mm-hmm. wanting his uh, wanting his bag uh, sure. if you will and um, one of the more consistent and productive players uh, in the league and there was a lot of uh, controversy about that he was granted permission to seek a trade and uh, and things like that and obviously the You know, with the Bears having the assets that they had during the offseason, pretty much anybody who was unhappy and could be traded for, there was an article about what the Bears could give up to get him or bring him in or, you know, what he could add to the offense and stuff, which, you know, obviously would have been significant, uh, you know, for the Bears. If we could bring in Eckler uh, and everything, it was a fun thing to play around with in my head It's like I I don't want to because that's gonna be at least a first round pick, I think, and I don't want to see the Bears give up a first rounder. <laughs> uh not this year, you know what I mean? Um, but um, you know, he was unhappy. Was was it after the draft that they signed him to the uh or that they incentivized the contract to give him more money this yes, year? Okay. Yes,
2: it was after yeah, well after the draft.
3: Right. So but that's been put to bed, so we're going into training camp at least for this year. Austin Eckler is happy and he's gonna be you know, a happy charger, not coming in or holding out or any of that, uh, any of that uh, uh, nonsense.
2: Well, I mean, you got to look at this thing from both perspectives. I mean, you you look at Austin Eckler and he's been one of the most productive running backs. Honestly, he's been one of the most productive offensive players in the NFL sure. over the last two seasons. Quite frankly, he has scored 38 touchdowns. So there is no one else in the NFL that has come anywhere close to that amount of production. Um, Austin Eckler has been spectacular. I mean, he's an incredible running back, a, a very, very sure-handed uh, football player, a guy that you can line up in the slot, uh, a guy who is a, just a, your quarterback's best friend a, as a safety valve. Very um, sure-handed, a very good pass protector as well. Um, and so, yeah, you understand why he wants that money. I mean, he he earned it, but you also have to understand the Chargers' pr- perspective. The the Highest free agent contract a running back received with six point two five million per year. That's exactly what Austin Eckler already makes. So from the Chargers' perspective, they're like, well, hey, you want to go tr- try and seek a trade part trade partner and, and go find a team that's willing to give you the ten plus million dollars that you're probably mm-hmm. wanting. Um, go ahead, go ahead and go try it. I mean, we we respect you. We have no problems with you. We don't want to cause any issues. We want to give you that ability to go out there and trying to f- try to find a partner. That didn't happen, and uh, the I mean the Chargers kind of knew that. You know they knew that wasn't going to happen just because that's how the market kind of matriculated. But um, yeah, I think this is a great compromise. It's a smart compromise for both sides. For the Chargers, they take care of one of their best players, and Austin Eckler gets some achievable um, uh, marks that he can hit to put a little bit more money in his pocket. That, uh, like I said, he uh, definitely deserved.
3: Yeah, and and he's a running back, and the shelf life yeah. on running backs. Not to mention how um easily you know no no disrespect to austin eckler or any running back but sure it just seems like you can find running backs literally anywhere in the draft that's uh, right these yeah. days and if any team can is a, is an example of that it's mine yeah you know uh, with montgomery the being the highest pick oh for quite some time at in the third round and then you have Tariq cohen in the fourth round J- J- uh, jordan howard was a 5th round pick, Khalil Herbert, who is our starting running back right now, was yeah. a 6th rounder uh and everything. So it's like paying significant money or using significant assets to get a running back is just not a thing in the NFL right. anymore. For every Christian McCaffrey, you have a dozen Khalil Herberts and David Montgomerys that, right. you know, are just as productive, well maybe not as productive, but sure. on par with what he what he does, what it, what they bring to a team. So it's like, you know, why would I give you 15 million a season when I can right. pick this kid in the sixth round and pay him 500 grand.
2: Exactly. I mean, that, that, that's just the business of, of the NFL. And, yeah. and that's why, you know, this is, you know, eventually the conclusion that me and my partner, Daniel on lockdown charters, we talked about this, obviously. I mean, we, we knew that this was eventually going to be the conclusion. Like they were going to come together. They were going to get a, you know, a cu- couple million dollars more on his deal. And and they were going to come back because, Austin Eckler didn't really have much leverage. He was already under contract, and if he wants to be able to get to free agency, he has to play at least six games for the Chargers, and if not – his contract will toll over to the next season. So whether he sat out training camp and got fined a a boatload of money or he sat out games, eventually he was going to come back. I think this was the best case scenario for all parties involved. That way it's not a distraction. Austin Eckler and the Chargers can focus on learning that new Kellen Moore offense and going out there and hitting the ground running immediately.
3: Yeah. I mean, and it's so weird how the, how the, 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 you know, because running back isn't a, an undervalued position or anything like that. It's still a significant portion of the offense, even in a passing happy league like we're in now. It's just that the, the value is what teams are willing to pay for a running back these days. That has gone down significantly over the last 10, 15 years uh, or so. There's not going to be any more Kajana Carters that are number one overall. Right. Uh, in fact, he was the last one to get taken number one overall. I mean, and you're just not going to see too many running backs get taken in the first round, let alone in the top five or the top ten like McCaffrey was. Yeah, like, it would just be
2: a gross mismanagement yeah, of assets. You just, you just can't do it. Yeah,
3: so, I mean, it's it's not an undervalued position where it's like nobody cares about running backs. It's just there's there's a lot of talent in that pool that you can find anywhere in the draft, quite literally. And, you know, the and, and finding the next one – is is a lot easier than having to pay Austin Eckler twelve to fifteen million a year or, or, or whatever it was he was That's asking it. for yep. uh, this off season. So we go into the draft and in seven picks you take three TCU players, including two wide receivers. <laughs> um, you stay on the West Coast except for your your fifth rounder, Jordan McFadden, the tackle out of Clemson. Everybody yep. else is West Coast or you know. Texas uh TCU Quinton Johnson in the first round uh Darius Davis the wide receiver out of TCU in the fourth uh, round uh, fourth round and then the most famous out of every player in the draft but somehow a seventh round pick Max Duggan the quarterback himself the was he the runner-up for
2: Heisman yeah runner-up he was way
3: up there and you know take him in the in the seventh round um gonna have to help me with your second rounder's last name yeah Tuli Tuli Pelotu. Yeah, I got the Thule part. Tui, Tui Pelotu? <laughs> yes. Got to love those Samoans in their names. Uh, Dayan Henley, or is it Dion Henley? Yeah, Dayan,
2: Dayan Henley, yeah, Dayan the linebacker. Henley, yes, sir.
3: Linebacker out of Washington State. And then Scott mm. Matlock, defensive tackle out of Boise in the sixth round. Um, and one of the few teams, and because I don't know why I did this. I don't know if I did this just to keep my my keep myself busy, but I wrote down every single pick during the draft. Wrote it down in a little spiral. Notebook and when I was you know uh, merging all the picks like hey here are all the Chargers picks is one of like I think maybe four or five teams in the league that had first round second round third round fourth round as as opposed to yeah every this single team. pick yeah. yeah every single you know one round one pick one round one pick and yep. you were like maybe one of f- five teams that actually did that. Uh, yeah, there was a flurry
2: of trade activity, oh, I and mean, even everywhere. in the draft too. I mean, yeah. just a ton of movement. And the Chargers definitely were were interested in possibly moving if the board didn't really work out the way they wanted, especially in the first round. But um, obviously, they ended up sticking and picking.
3: Yeah, you got uh, pretty even. You know, offense, defense, four for offense, two three for a uh, defense. So was this more of a depth kind of draft um, to kind of enhance what's already there, or to? Maybe you know be better prepared for what happened last season. God forbid that the the what's what's behind the guys that go down is a little bit more on the quality side. I mean, the answer is
2: both. Yeah. I think you look at this draft and they wanted to get people that were going to be immediate impact players, like Quentin Johnston in the first round. The Chargers haven't really invested any premium resources and bringing in a legitimate star caliber type of weapon. And so that's what led them to take Quentin Johnson in the first round. And then last year when Joey Bosa got hurt, they didn't have really have anybody to be able to come in and step in and provide any kind of, you know, adequate pass rush. So that's why they take Tully, Tui Peloto out of USC uh, and then the linebacker position, they only signed uh, Eric Hendricks to a two-year deal, which is really a one-year deal with a ripcord that can really get out of that contract easily. Right. Their other linebacker, Kenneth Murray, this is his last year of his rookie contract. The Chargers did not pick up his fifth-year option. So I think the third-round pick, Deion Henley, is a guy who was a you know kind of a pick for insurance policy for now and uh, to set you up for the future. Uh, and then Darius Davis was brought in to be your kick returner, punt returner. like okay. that's. That was his role. Um, I think he will be a gadget guy on offense. Like They're they're definitely going to utilize him in that sense. Uh, Jordan McFadden was just a continued uh, um, philosophy of upgrading the spine of your football team. In the sure. last couple of years since Brandon Staley became the head coach, he focused directly, almost immediately, on fixing the offensive line. He brings in Corey Lindsay from the Packers. He brings in Matt Filer from the Steelers. He uses a first-round pick on Rashawn Slater at left tackle. Then the next year uses another first-round pick on Zion Johnson. Um, and so, you know, they've really uh, continued to invest heavy resources in the offensive line, which I think is just smart football. S- staying, staying in that same vein, they bring in Scott Matlock, uh, you know, because, hey, defensive line is a hell of a position that faces a lot of attrition, so you need to have bodies that you trust that can rotate in there and give you some quality snaps. And then Max Duggan, I think, was really just a concentration on that third quarterback role, uh, which basically means that, you know, you can have a third quarterback that will dress um, but won't be a part of your uh, active forty-six players on game day. He still has to be part of your 53-man roster, but he doesn't count against your active forty-six just I mean, so they don't have another Brock Purdy situation right. uh, this upcoming season. So I think it was a very calculated, uh, a very controlled approach for, the, for this draft. I think they got a lot of quality players. Obviously, you know, the judge is going to you know be still out on that. They haven't played any football yet, but you see the vision. Like, you, you definitely see the vision in this draft, and I think they did some good work here.
1: Welcome to Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Bite clear aligners are doctor directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get eighty percent off your impression kit when you use code Wondery at bite.com. That's B Y T E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Bite. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting.
3: Yeah. Any any thoughts on um, him possibly Duggan? Of course, being the um, oh, what's his name from the from the Saints? Uh, uh, like a. Um, oh man, I hate it when this happens. I just yeah. I don't. I don't remember the dude's name, but I know yeah, exactly who you're talking you about. Know, yeah, I think everybody does, and and everyone who's listening to this is screaming his name right now. <laughs> um, yeah, but but any thought, like with the, you know, because he was such an athlete for TCU. He did his, just as much damage with his legs than he did with, with his arm, uh, you know, for, for the Horned Frogs, you know, last year. Any, any, any rumblings that, you know, maybe they, they might play with the position a little bit?
2: Uh yeah no I haven't heard anything about them uh, creating a Taysom Hill type of role Taysom for Hill. for him there you go
3: yeah thank you yeah.
2: Um, fortunately we have the uh, the lovely power of Google at the yes. at, at our fingertips so we can use that whenever we need to but uh, no 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 rumblings I don't, honestly I don't think you want to take Justin Herbert off the field for anything because I mean who's to say that Max Duggan is a better runner than Justin Herbert I don't think you can really say that I just think that you didn't really see that as much last year because the fractured rib cartilage. I mean, he, he had to focus on being able to make his throws. <laughs> um, he couldn't really run last year. But a couple years ago, especially against the Pittsburgh Steelers on, Steelers on Sunday Night Football, he ran all over them. And it was a big part of uh, his offensive game. So I think this year you're going to see that return uh, a little bit more. You know, you're going to see more of the athleticism. That Justin Herbert brings to the table, so yeah, no, I don't honestly. You know, if you are asking me, uh, best case scenario is that he dresses every single week and he holds a clipboard and watches Justin Herbert go out there and ball out.
3: Yeah, I wasn't thinking so much about replacing um, him on the field, not like what the Saints did. You mean like With, in addition to just like being well, a, like he was also a tight, tight end type. or you know a yeah. gadget runner or something like that, as opposed to you know while, while also being the, the backup or, or primary backup to uh, to Breeze. Uh, yeah, I think there. that was
2: more so of an, out of necessity, though, because yeah, I mean, yeah. they were dealing with a lot of injuries and they didn't really have enough offensive firepower. I, I don't think you really have any issues with firepower. If all of your weapons on the offense for the Chargers are healthy, there's a lot of guys to get the football to. Sure, sure.
3: So we move on to the 2023 schedule. And the yeah. um, first thing that sticks out for me is a week five bye. Yeah, uh, I don't like it. Yeah, I was going to say, thoughts and opinions on a week five bye because, uh, you know, the Bears got the exact opposite where you have four games before your bye, we have four games after. It's another week 14 bye that, for the Bears would I would have
2: much preferred that just because, you know, the Chargers would be probably right in the thick of a playoff. hunt. You want to get that extra week later in, in the season when you really need it, when you've really been beat up and you really played a lot of football. That's when I think the buy is the most valuable. getting it uh you know done in the week five of the NFL season to me is horrible. I hate it. Uh, I'm not a fan at all. I think it's way too early. it just it's not going to have the same effect for you as it is later on in the season, but that's I mean it is what it is. It's out of your hands, so you just got to deal with it
3: yeah, and it's 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 your home for Miami, you're mm-hmm. at Tennessee, at Minnesota, home for the Raiders. Before the bye, but it's that after the bye week where things get a little saucy for you, you're home for the Cowboys on Monday yeah. night football, your first trip to Kansas City, uh, you know, or your first game with Kansas City goes to Kansas City, home for the Bears on on Sunday night football, then at the Jets, so you're going cross country for another Monday night game uh, with the Jets. Uh, so you know you get the, your first look at Aaron Rodgers in those uh, jet unis uh out yeah, there. That's
2: that's gonna be an interesting one. And and, yeah. and I think the Chargers have six primetime games this yeah. this season, which is the they're one of four teams in, in the NFL that has that many primetime games. So it seems like the, the NFL wants to put a uh, superstar quarterback on on, uh, on the pedestal for everybody to see, which I mean hey, that's just smart. But yeah that's a that's a brutal stretch. That's a that's a brutal stretch of games that are really I mean I don't think it's gonna make a break just because of the amount of afc west games that are you know in in the tail end of the charter schedule mm-hmm. but you know they they definitely want to be able to navigate that stretch and and be at least even i i think you know they, they really want to be even after that um and then really let the the back end of the season determine how you're going to finish things
3: right so after that jets game on monday night you're you're home for the lions at green was it is it no yeah it is
2: yeah, it's at yeah. Green Bay.
3: Well, no, no, no. I'm looking at the the verses and home uh, and yeah. away. And after the bye week, because like the first four weeks, it's a home and away sandwich: home for the yeah. Dolphins at the at Tennessee, at Minnesota, home for the Raiders. But after you come back from the bye, it's it rotates. Yeah, home away, home away, home away the rest of the way down.
2: Yeah, so not any kind of vicious road trips, yeah. which, which is really nice. I mean, that I mean, hey, you, you take the L on the. Early by, but you, you get the help with the limited road trip, so I think that's nice.
3: Yeah, home, like I said, and you know, home for the Lions. You're at Green Bay. Back on Sunday night with the Ravens at home at New England. Home for the Broncos before the final four games of the season, starting with a Thursday nighter at Vegas to take on the Raiders. Home for the, the Bills at Denver at Kansas City. So, yeah, like you said, four out of five games to end the season all AFC West uh opponents uh there and the Bills so the last 5 games AFC teams or AFC West teams and the Bills Uh, Yeah, it's an
2: absolutely brutal stretch to end the season, but it has the power. Um, That's why, you know, I said earlier, like, I'm not too concerned with some of those games in the middle because the end of your schedule is going to determine how you finish. Like, you really have the ability to kind of control your own destiny if you take care of your AFC West and AFC Conference games. I mean, cause you, know, I mean more, more often than not, or more than likely you are going to be seeing the bills and the playoffs and the chiefs and the playoffs. So, you know, you, you want to be able to try to beat them down and get some wins on top of them because you never know. I mean, the chargers have enough talent. I mean, I, and I've said this I mean, before on my show, I believe the chargers have enough talent to beat anybody on their schedule. Obviously that's not going to happen because attrition is going to happen and they're going to have to figure it out. But um, that end of that season is going to determine how they're able to finish. If they if they finish strong, they'll be in the playoffs. If they falter, they're not going to make it.
3: Yeah, it's just that, like you said, it's a brutal stretch. There's not a lot of room for error in those last. That's right. Uh, you know, or actually, after Green Bay, it's all AFC games. Yep. From there, so basically, from Thanksgiving to the end of the season, it's all AFC: Baltimore, New England, Denver, Vegas, Bills, Broncos, uh, Chiefs. There. And, um, yeah, with those division wins, those are important. You got to have those, Yeah, um, you know, with the Raiders and the Broncos, two games, both games with the, with the Broncos there, and then finishing with the Chiefs, which could likely be for first place in the division, could be could for be. home field advantage in the, in the playoffs, which these days is more important than it ever was since there's only one of those now.
2: Absolutely. I mean, yeah, that could be a crucial, crucial football game. And and I hope that it is like I hope that it does have some significance, that it does have some meaning, because like I've said before, the Chargers play the Chiefs tougher than anybody in the NFL. They're extremely familiar with Patrick Mahomes. They understand Andy Reid. They know how. Um, they're trying to attack and with those two teams, it's really almost who ends up with the football last Mm -hmm. is, is going to be the team that wins. And uh, so like, that's like, I like my chances. Like, I like my chances, um, in that situation. Um, you just hope that it means something. I mean, it could be one of those where the chiefs are playing their backups and they already got the number one seed locked up,
3: or it could be the opposite. And
2: it could be like, this game could determine who goes to the playoffs and who goes home.
3: And the one favor that the NFL did for you—it's a home game against. Yes, the Chiefs
2: indeed. The the yes, year. that is beautiful. I definitely don't like the prospects of going to Kansas City in the middle of January. That's that's <laughs> definitely no fun.
3: <laughs> so, um, you know, what's what's the early estimation uh, for the? You know, like ballpark it for me. What what do you what are you looking at when you look at this schedule? What are you thinking?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think I've I've already uh, put out on my show like uh, our record at this way too early record prediction. We're sure. looking at uh, I think eleven and six is where I have the Chargers. So I have them as a, a one game improvement. It's still a very very tough schedule. Yeah. So you know there's a couple of games that really can go either way. But um, I feel like if they just have their health just regress to the mean. Then they're they're going to be a much much better football team, and, and uh, I think they are you know going to be competitive, and I do believe they'll make it to the playoffs once again.
3: Yeah, and and even though they're only going to be one game better, you know it's like with like I just I just can't imagine that your luck would be so bad that the injuries would kill you guys again the way that it did, yeah, last year. So maybe you're only one game better in the standings, but you'll be better prepared for a playoff run this time because Joey Bosa. When he the thing that got me when when I heard that he got hurt was that his timeline was indefinite. Yeah, you know because it was it was core muscle surgery, right? Like a hernia. Well, or something he, he like
2: basically that? he tore his he tore his uh, his hamstrings. Yeah, on on both legs, and so oh, wow. he had surgery and repaired both of them. And so even when he came back and he played towards the end of the season, he wasn't a hundred percent. Like yeah. he 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 just was trying to come back and and. Help his team win, but it just, it was probably a little bit too early, Um, but he's been able to rehab. He's been able to work out the way he needs to this offseason. Like he's a hundred percent, like actually, like he said that he didn't even understand how much pain he was in because it was chronic pain. It was just something he woke up with and walked around with all the time. And I think when you're in that constant state, you don't even recognize it. You don't even, it's really just your everyday norm. And so after the surgeries and after he got back to like an actual place of health, he was able to to determine and distinguish between like, man, I was in so much pain all the time to, wow, I can actually move around freely. I can run around. I can lift. I can, I can do all the things I want to do without having to, you know, try to, wait for a day that I feel better and, and, and I think that's so significant for a guy who is one of the most dominant edge rushers in the NFL I mean
3: just yeah.
2: both aspects of what you do as far as securing the edge stopping the run and being a, a violent and ferocious pass rusher like you look at the stats and you look at the win rate stats Joey Bosa when he was on the field was still very impactful so uh The Chargers just want to see the vision. They want to see Joey on one side, Khalil Mack on the other side, and they want to turn them loose for an entire season and then look up and see what it looks like afterwards.
3: Yeah, because that's something that Khalil Mack has been missing his entire career. Yeah, absolutely. uh, Which was a a rushing mate. And um, they tried to do it for him in Chicago. Like when we brought him in, we're thinking that the greatest beneficiary of the Khalil Mack trade was going to be Leonard Floyd. Right that he's not going to be facing these one on one matchups anymore he's not constantly going to be against the you know the other team's best pass blocker uh, and things like that he's going to get the one on one matchups he should be the one cleaning up sure. and his sack production in the two years he played with Mac went down versus the two years that he was you know he was our primary pass rusher <laughs> which so is wild it's we don't even get me started Cause, i mean especially that last year in twenty uh, I believe it was 2019, he had two sacks week one against David Bakhtiari, the, you know, one uh-huh. of the best left tackles in the league. And then I think it was like week 11, week 12 before he got his next sack.
2: Oh, my goodness. It was
3: just like one miss after another. And I think he finished the year with like four, maybe five tops. But he literally went like 10 weeks without a sack after, you know. Well, it, was
2: pretty, it was pretty young in his career well, yeah. at that point in time, yeah, too, was. right? But it's like,
3: you know, bringing in Khalil Mack, Khalil Mack still facing these double teams and taking because Leonard Floyd's doing nothing on his on the other side. Right. Then we bring in Robert Quinn, who was still recovering from that uh, that foot injury that he suffered in Dallas. He spent all of 2020, you know, two sacks the entire year. Robert Quinn has. And and we're thinking, boy, did we piss away money to bring him in? Oh man, know, yeah. and then in 2021 he goes nuts, 18 and a half sacks. But Khalil Mack has his injury, right? You know, when they were together, the first seven weeks of the season, they were the most dominant pass rushing tandem in the NFL. They and, like, and
2: that was the vision for the Chargers, yeah, exactly. too. Exactly, like, that's what they wanted to see, and like you know, that's what
3: they set up, it's but like,
2: it just never came to fruition. Yeah. So the Chargers are just hoping please like crossing their fingers just <laughs> praying on their knees that these guys will be able to play significant time together cuz man it, it's going to be impactful like those guys i mean you'd be hard pressed to be able to double team them all the time if yeah. you have and that's just when you have one of them but now you have to concern yourself with both of those guys right it's just impossible. You got to pick your poison. Like you yeah. got to, which one do you want to block, and which one do you you want to you know let get a one on one situation? Like it's it's a it's a very dangerous situation to be in.
3: Yeah. Which one of your edge? Which one of your uh, tackles do you trust more? Exactly. You know like, yeah. who, who are you going to leave out there? Because somebody, uh, you know, unless you are only going to send out one receiver in the uh, <laughs> in the passing route, uh, you know, you are not going to be able to leave everybody back to to block those. Those two monsters. And, uh, you know, in 2021, like the first seven weeks when they were together, I think Khalil Mack had six or seven sacks. Quinn Mm -hmm. had, you know, six, six and a half, something like that. Yeah, I think
2: he had six sacks in seven games and then then he got hurt. And then then it was that that foot
3: injury that he ended up having surgery on and that killed the rest of his uh, season, you know. So it's like he never really had that while he was in Chicago. And then he gets traded to... Uh, I was going to say San Diego. Do you still do that, by the way? I do not. No, no? just because I've okay. been covering
2: them professionally, you know, doing five shows a week for the last <laughs> five or six years. So I do not do that anymore. Right. Um, but, yeah, I can. I totally understand why you do it because the Chargers were in San Diego for 56 years. And so <laughs> it's just part of their identity. I mean, even six, seven years after the fact, play-by-play guys do it all the time. So, right. Don't feel bad. It's just I mean, that's what you think of. I mean you just think San well, I mean, Diego when you think the, the Chargers it's just, you know, it's part of their identity. Like it's I said, the same so, thing
3: with uh, Washington. I have to catch myself every time ten Yeah, not Washington call the, Redskins the and Red the Commanders Skates. and yeah, yeah, all that good stuff, right? Well yeah, and then there was that two that fun two year run where they were just the football the team. The Washington football team. Yeah. Oh
2: my gosh, that I, was that such was a disaster. So
3: corny and stupid. I like I I can't just even horrible. begin to tell you how much I hate that. So Yeah,
2: it's just disgusting.
3: <laughs> but uh so, yeah, I got a question
2: for you, man, yeah. just while, you know, we're, we're talking chargers, and we're talking bears. But Shoot. one of the things that I noticed when I was watching Justin Fields is that they don't like I don't know if it's intentionally or if it's just something he needs to work on. He doesn't really go through his progressions across the entire football field. It's, it's really kind of just half the football field and then either run or make a pass, I don't feel like he goes through full progressions. Do you feel like that's something that he's going to work on or be able to get better at with more wide receiver talent this year?
3: Yeah. Well, I mean, there were. I think there were, like, honestly, there were three reasons for that. Number one, um, basically, if Mooney wasn't open, nobody was. Um, <laughs> number two, uh, we had issues with the offensive line all throughout the year. That's true. And then number three, after our after that disastrous game on Thursday night with Washington, there was a lot more focus on making his running a bigger part of the offense. Gotcha. And, you know, so I just think that after a while he was just programmed, like if it's not there right now, go. Yeah. You know, and because most of the yardage that he gained was starting week seven against the the Patriots throughout the, throughout the season. In those first six games, he tried to stay in the pocket and took a beating for it, yeah. but he tried to stay in the pocket and wait for guys to get open. I mean, and it's just something that would make you pull your hair out, just like you're sitting there, throw the ball, you know, just do something, and he would just be running around using his athleticism to keep him keep the play alive, but, yeah. you know, he didn't turn the ball over a lot, you know, thankfully. That was a, right. a big upgrade from 2021 Um, you know, he wasn't, you know, making stupid decisions with the ball. The stupid decision was that he just wouldn't get rid of it. Right. So he would take sacks or he would take losses. And then in week seven, it was just like, you know what, man, just go. Yeah. Just run. And so he started doing that. And it's like, if the first option isn't there, which for him last year, even after we added Chase Claypool, who didn't really catch on with the offense last season, I no, a tough ask for yeah. any player. Well, I'm hearing quite the opposite right the now. With with OTAs, I'm hearing Claypool's really really doing well.
2: Yeah, uh, I mean that. it makes sense. I mean, you get him into the program, you get him a full offseason to be able yeah. to get into the playbook and get comfortable and catch passes. Right. By you know, by Justin Fields and and really get that chemistry established.
3: Yeah, but with uh, you know, like, you know, Comet was, uh, you know, became a more uh, a more of a passing threat uh after the after that mini buy he started running the football a lot more. I mean, hell, he, he set the record against the Dolphins in that one game. 160 something yards rushing by a quarterback is the record now. Sheesh. And, you know, and he did that like a few games in a row. And it's just. It, it, and this year, we have DJ Moore. Yeah. We have a more acclimated Chase Claypool. Darnell Mooney is coming back healthy. We have Cole Komet. And then we signed Robert Tunyon away from the. Packers so that's five guys not to mention they really like this kid Tyler Scott that we drafted in the fourth round yeah for, from Cincinnati yeah. really
2: really fat he's a 4-3 guy yeah he's one of the guys that you know we scouted uh, in the pre-draft process yeah, and, and they're there's saying one of the that, that potential more, guys to bring in
3: he's like Darnell Mooney with breakaway Speed. yeah like yeah he's, he's got lightning take, speed man yeah, like he, he's, he's the, a
2: big guy he's got long strides and and yeah. he's got legit four
3: three speed like he's like the you know the legit guy to take the top off the defense yeah, and, and you thing.
2: need that like i yeah. mean when you're looking at the wide receivers man you don't want to have the same type of guys that's kind of like a football team you want to have guys that can do different things you want your point guard that can get open quickly and 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 you know and run those smooth routes you want your 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 guy that can go up and get the football and, and make the spectacular plays, uh, and you know you want your guy that that can race down the court and and make those fast break type of plays, and and like those are the type of receivers that it looks like Chicago is compiling, and that you know the Chargers uh, did what they did to to do the same thing.
3: Yeah, so I mean, on top of bringing in DJ Moore, which was really the cherry on top of that. Oh yeah. trade big move with big the move. with the Panthers. I mean, it's like I was thrilled to see the Bears. They did make the trade. We knew we we where knew they weren't picking number one when we didn't need a quarterback. Clearly, yeah. And, you know, it's like, okay, first rounder in 2024, great. Uh, extra second rounder this year, great. Um, you know, second rounder in 2025, that's interesting. DJ Moore, okay, I'm <laughs> yeah. good with that. You know, like, oh, my Party God. Time. Yeah. yeah. And it, it's not like, you know, with all those picks, having all those picks is great. But – that's more of a a wish fulfillment if the if a trade if a draft pick works out. Sure, DJ Moore can come in right now and help right. this team. You know, and he's the exact thing that we needed that we weren't going to find in free agency, and that probably wasn't going. And there there wasn't a receiver that was going to go number one overall. And the, right. then there yeah, wasn't you one. A,
2: you needed a true number one yeah. that you can give to Justin Absolutely. Fields, like that. Was, that was part of the vision.
3: Even though it's just helmets and T-shirts right now. And they can't stop raving about the separation that DJ Moore is getting. Like, when he's open, he's open. Yeah. And, you know, he's creating all of this room and and, and getting the football so that, you know, if he has to go up and get it, he's not battling the DBs to go up and, and get the ball. And even when he does, he's the one coming down with the ball. Did you see that touchdown he caught against the Falcons last year? He's being blanketed by two DBs. In the end zone, he goes up and comes down. Oh yeah, I with do remember football. that one. Yeah, yeah.
2: No, no, that was pretty spectacular.
0: Yeah,
3: and, so,
2: and I mean he has that ability. Like, and he just wasn't featured enough because the quarterback play in Carolina was subpar, yes. and I think that's being generous. Yeah, so, so it's I mean, it's a, we'll see what he does this year with the you know quarterback going into his third season.
3: Right. So and you know that everyone is kind of expecting, you know, and I'm I I, I shudder to say the word expecting, but I, I'm for me it's more like hoping. Because, yeah. uh, you know, hoping that we do see, because everyone was talking about, you know, the jump for year three for Jalen Hurts when he got him, when he got A.J. Brown and how much sure. that helped. We got him, we got Justin Fields, his A.J. Brown and D.J. Moore. So will we see the dividends? Will we see him become more of a complete quarterback? Because we already know he's one of the most dangerous players in the league, period, with sure. his legs. Now can he use that, that arm that he did such great things with in Ohio State, but the at the thing at Ohio State was number one, he had 14 seconds to throw the ball, right. and number two, he had Chris Olave, Jackson Smith, and Jigba, you know, and, and right, all those you know, all guys. He had yeah. he had like four first round picks to throw the ball to. Those guys were open by a mile every right. single. He wasn't having to thread the needle like he was last year, uh, where he was trying to you know throw into windows. And and it's
2: it's important because As you very well know like you Cannot run every single down You got to have to you have to be able to Make throws especially if you want to make it Into the playoffs and you know you have to Be able to be multiple enough to Have different ways you're going To attack defenses if they know Your quarterback is going to run every single chance That he gets when he gets pressured Like they're going to be able to guard against that And so he's going to have to develop As a passer Uh, and I think this is a critical year I mean not not only for for him, but for the organization as well, because oh, yeah. they have to, you know, make a decision on his fifth year option after this season, and they, they have to make sure. And he has to show that he's the guy. Like he, sh- yeah. he should be the guy that the Bears invest in and build around for the future. And I don't know as of this moment that you can say that he's put up a stat line that makes you feel good at this point in time.
3: Agreed. Um, you know, but we're in year two of this offense. Yeah, we finally have him surrounded with assets and weapons and, and sure. things like that so there's like he's out of excuses now that's it you know he's out that's of it. excuses so it is all on him and the thing that i love about fields is like he's such a cool character that yeah you know like this is what he's been waiting for like he's probably the one that's salivating more than the rest of us because he's the one that actually gets to play with these guys as opposed to us as fans who just get to watch him
2: no doubt, you know, yeah. Right. I mean, he's like, man, give me some talent. Like, yeah. let me show you what I can do. And I got some guys I can go get it. And you know, we'll have to see now. Like that, yeah. this is the test. I mean, the yeah. the Bears had to like just an unbelievable amount of cap space this off season, so. It was about what they did to try to surround him with as much talent as possible because the blueprint is clear. You want to try to load up as much as you can mm-hmm. while you have a quarterback on a cost controlled contract and you know, see see about if you can go win the Super Bowl. Like that's what it's all about. So yeah. um, you know, it's gonna it's gonna be an interesting situation. It's gonna be a good season, interesting season for him this year.
3: And the brilliance of, of Ryan Poles, who who in our two years as our general manager, I was like, I just love the guy. Sure. Um, is that we're well set up to to answer that question either way next year. Yeah. You know, like we still have a decent amount of cap space to talk about an extension if things go the Jalen Hurts way uh, this year. And if things don't go well and we don't want to pick up that fifth-year option, we got two first-round picks next year. That's it. That we could either package to move up and and go get a Caleb Williams or that kid out of North Carolina uh, next year, uh, you know, or whatever it is that we need to do. is like Or things go well. We can give Justin Fields his bag, and we got those two first-round picks to add. You know, high-quality talent at uh, rookie contract prices. So it's like we're in a good spot either way, going into uh, 2024. It's like nobody wants to start over with another rookie quarterback. But if, if it's clear that Justin Fields just isn't responding to the nf to the NFL game, that yeah, you know we gotta we gotta go out and get the guy that we can while we can. So.
2: Well, I, for one, am definitely looking forward to the Chargers and the Chicago Bears yeah. locking up. These two teams don't get to play each other very often, so right. it's going to be very interesting to see who's able to come out on top on that one, so yeah. I'm looking forward to it.
3: Week number eight, so we'll, we'll be looking to uh, get you back on the show to talk about those first uh, six, seven weeks and, and see, where, see where both of our teams are at at that point, seemingly about the halfway point uh, of the season. Uh, there. So, um, you know, tell us where we can keep up with you uh, in the, uh, in the meantime.
2: Yeah, so uh, like I like you guys uh, said earlier, I am the host, one of the hosts of the Locked On Chargers podcast, and we do five audio video shows a week most of the year. This is the only time of year between June and middle of July where we shift down to three shows a week. Mm-hmm. You can find me on Twitter at DrotalkSD. SD. You can find my show on Twitter at Locked On L A C and you can find my show anywhere you get your podcasts, whether that's Spotify, Apple Music, TuneIn, or on video on our youtube channel as well
3: awesome dave Drogermeyer. thanks so much uh, for joining us man we look forward to talking to you week number eight uh
2: thank you so much for having me and i uh, can't wait to talk to you guys again
3: as always want to thank Dave Drogemeyer for uh, coming on the show from locked on chargers. Look forward to having him on uh week eight, I believe uh, to preview that Sunday night matchup between the bears and the chargers in SoFi, which, you know, frankly is, is probably going to be like a home game for the bears. Uh, the chargers haven't quite caught on in Los Angeles just yet. And their, their fan base was waning uh, to begin with before the move from San Diego to LA. So, uh, yeah, very very well could be a heavy sea of navy and orange uh in SoFi Stadium on national TV on Sunday night football. So look forward to uh catching up with with Dave uh to to preview uh that matchup where the Chargers are, where they're headed, uh, and so on, and and hopefully we'll be able to uh watch Braxton Jones go head to head with a healthy Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa in that one. Not that I you know am necessarily looking forward to it, but more so can the young kid handle it? Two of the best pass rushers this league has to offer. He'll face them both in one night, so that's uh, pretty crazy. And Darnold, right on the other side. That should be fun. So, uh, anyway, as far as like what's next, guys, I honestly have no idea. Uh, every year when I do these when I do these shows, there's always at least one team that I just have a hell of a time, uh, you know, trying to get a handle on, trying to pin somebody down. Uh, and all that, and, and this year that team is the Chiefs. Uh, I think my, my running total of people I've reached out to is is in the double digits at this point. Um, I've only gotten response from one person, and that one person responded to tell me that he was on vacation, like out of the country, like literally overseas on vacation. So I have no idea um, you know, if the next episode is going to be the AFC West finale with the Chiefs, or if this was the AFC West finale with the, uh, with the Chargers. And, um, you know, either way, there will be a show on Tuesday. I just don't know if it's going to be the Chiefs or if it's going to be the Carolina Panthers to start the AFC South, NFC South. Excuse me. So I'm not sure. Uh, so we'll have to, uh, to wait and see. I have actually, uh, as I'm recording this, I spoke to my Carolina Panthers guest this morning. So I've already got that show in the can. So that show is definitely happening. When is the question? And that all you know banks on the on the Chiefs. If I'm able to hook up with somebody from you know from the Chiefs over the weekend, uh, you know, and able to to shoehorn it in on Tuesday to finish off the AFC West, no problem. Then great. If not, worst case scenario, we start with the NFC South and the Carolina Panthers on Tuesday. So keep an eye on the social medias uh, at BTU underscore Larry on Twitter and on Instagram and join the Facebook group on Facebook. Just search bears talk underground and join in on the discussion. So your guess is as good as mine at this point, my success rate with the chiefs, uh, not being that great. I would probably weigh heavily on the fact that our next episode is most likely going to be the Carolina Panthers. So we'll have to see, but uh, keep your eyes peeled and uh, your ears open. Which show comes next? And until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been the Bears Talk Underground.